0: This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. It's Michael Levitt, and today I've got Paul Moore from Welling's Capital. He's also host of How to Lose Money podcast. Now, today we're not going to talk about losing money per se, but how to keep more of it, and a variety of other topics as well. So, Paul, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, it's great to be here, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you as well. Uh, I want to
0: talk a little bit about your your history, uh, in you know, on your website, you know, I, I researched your bio and saw that you um, went to Buckeyes country and also spent time in Michigan so that's always an interesting dynamic to to be on both sides of the fence and and then you spent uh, some time at Ford Motor Company and then after a short period of time left there so tell us a little bit about you know the skills you picked up at Ford and then you know what drove you to want to leave there to go on to bigger and better things
1: Well, yeah, I I went to Ohio State. I I actually, my first mistake was getting an engineering degree. And then, you know, for a guy who is not really oriented super uh, a lot that way, I really didn't know what I wanted to do as a kid. And so I went on and got an MBA, which was actually a smarter move. And then I went to Ford Motor Company, like you said. And I learned that even though I really liked, and I still actually have very fond memories of Ford Motor Company, I could have retired this year, uh, I was not cut out for big corporate life. I think I was cut out to be an entrepreneur. And so, because after a few months at Ford, my friend and I, who both went to Ohio State, were both, were plotting and scheming to try to start a company. And about four and a half years later, we finally started an HR outsourcing firm. Uh, We quit Ford Motor Company, and the rest is history. We sold that company five years later to a publicly traded firm. I moved to uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia and uh, started flipping houses and buying and selling high-end waterfront lots, building some homes, did a subdivision, a hotel, and uh, all kinds of other things in the real estate sector. And I found out that being an entrepreneur was a lot harder than I ever thought. It was a lot more enjoyable. I'm glad I did it. But I also found out that there were some temptations as an entrepreneur that I never had at Ford. Uh, one, I mean, one thing, you know, they say that entrepreneurs have tremendous freedom, and I love the freedom I have. They say we have the freedom to work any 80 hours a week we choose. Well, that's not a great idea. But I didn't know that, and I spent years um, you know, working and working, you know, before even iPhones and laptops, I was working almost every spare minute. And I've got four kids and thankfully they're all doing really, really well. But sometimes I think it's a miracle that they that they are because I really was a very driven type A person and um, found it hard to slow down. So that's been one thing I have really had to learn. And I appreciate your podcast, Michael, because you're teaching that. Well, thank you for that, and yeah, it was a hard lesson for me as well. Um, and you know,
0: my experiences and being driven and working—you know, I, I, I think I selected the eighty hours, and I think I probably grabbed an extra twenty just in case uh, in some weeks because it just felt like I never shut down, and it caught up with me, and was was quite costly. But thankfully, I learned from it, recovered from it, and and now. Lead a much better life and a, a life where I can choose when i'm going to be doing work not as much as the eighty hours, but there are times where it bleeds in it's interesting that you that you you launched the h r organization and then and sold that off and then went into. Um, you, know, you know, the property business and, you know, homes and subdivisions and things like that. What drove that? What, you know, what was something that, you know, thought, well, wait a minute, I could do that and flip some houses and start uh, going into the real estate arena. What, what drove you to that?
1: Well, I wish I had a great and really intelligent answer. And honestly, if I could have known 20 years ago what I know now, I would have definitely done it. But at the time it was boredom. Uh, You know, they say that retiring in your 30s or 40s is a great, fun thing to aspire to. It's not. I mean, at least it wasn't for me. I uh, had a few million dollars in the bank and I didn't know anything about the difference between investing and speculating and I speculated a lot and lost a lot of that. And um, I was, you know, a driven type A entrepreneur. And I found myself being really bored and trying to make up excuses for why I was sitting at home in the middle of the day doing nothing. And uh, I actually became the most miserable uh, person, most miserable version of myself, I should say, as far as a husband, a father, all the things I was supposed to do. I started a nonprofit organization and that was fun. But. Um, a friend moved to town who had been doing multifamily maintenance for years, and we decided to get into, you know, buying houses on the courthouse steps. We bought one and sold it just weeks later for a $24,000 profit. We thought, this is easy. And uh, we started doing that, and, of course, we lost money on two of the next four. But at any rate, um, we, uh, that's how we got into it. And if I would have only known what the power of investing in buy and hold real estate, especially with a commercial syndicator, a commercial company that's buying and selling commercial real estate. The power of that is incredible. And if I'd have known that then, I think I'd be a lot wealthier uh, and a lot happier as far as, because I have struggled since I was 50 uh, to rebuild a lot of what I had in my 30s, so. It, it's one of those things where we see the dynamics of of
0: corporate real estate and in Toronto, where I'm based, especially in the downtown sector. You know, we're seeing you know construction cranes you know as far as you can see because they're building so many condos and whatnot. So, corporate space is actually. Becoming a premium in the city because there's uh, these new buildings that are going up are residential. They're not they're not setting them up for commercial. So your small and medium sized organizations, if you want to be in the downtown area, which many of these organizations do for a variety of reasons, um, you know the the entry fee is a lot higher than it was even a decade ago. So it's it's an ever growing. Market and and even and I've you know talked with people in the past too. Even in down economic times, you know it, there's opportunities there, and, and you capitalized on them, and you know being able to. Buy low and sell high, as they like to say, and it, mm-hmm. it's, it made a big difference, uh, obviously, in your organization and your growth. For, for entrepreneurs that would even consider going into something like this, once you know their businesses start growing and they go, okay, what am I going to do with this extra cash flow that's coming my way? What would, what would be the one thing you would tell them just to be um, aware of and something that would really help them in the long term as far as considering this type of opportunity?
1: Well, I have a couple things. Number one, I would really uh, think through uh, the difference between gambling, speculating versus investing. And investing is when your principal is generally safe and you have a chance to make a return speculating is when your principal is not at all safe and you have a chance to make a return and i think that the difference would be between would would be evident when you look at buying a commercial real estate property that's already throwing off income versus uh, investing, uh, throwing $50,000 to the bottom of an oil well, to a, a hole in the ground, hoping that oil comes back and pays you, you back, and maybe it won't. If it does, you might make you know 10x your return, but if not, you've lost your money, and that's exactly what I did on a number of occasions. Another thing I would consider is that commercial real estate done right with pro- uh, proper leverage proper value add opportunities, the right operator, it can, it has been and can return 15 to 20 or 25% annually in total return. And that includes uh, cash flow, appreciation, uh, principal pay down, and then there are also some tremendous tax benefits. Now, if you take 20% return Total return and there's easily to document historically that that's been uh, a a lot of things have returned much better than that. If you can take a hundred thousand and put it in at twenty percent annually, five years later that hundred thousand, if you reinvest the proceeds, uh, all the all the dividends along the way and the proceeds when you sell, that five that hundred thousand becomes two hundred. Now you can take that. 200 and invested in two properties. 5 years later, four properties. 5 years later, that becomes eight. And you know, if you do the math, over 30 years, $100,000 becomes about 5 million. Now, when I say that, I I run the risk I realize of sounding like a scoundrel or a scammer or something, but it's just simple math. And there's lots of people who've done this. In fact, a lot of the Forbes 400 invest in commercial real estate exactly in that way. They reinvest all the dividends and the proceeds, et cetera, and they do a tax advantage, sometimes tax deferred. And um, the ability to grow wealth is tremendous. So I say to a lot of people who are trying to quit their job to start flipping houses, don't quit your day job. Put Find 100000 find 150000 in home equity or somewhere else and plow it in with a very good syndicator that you can trust and let them do the hard work. You stay enjoying what you do well already and this is a way to build tremendous wealth. That's amazing information and advice on that because again,
0: Finding that trusted advisor to help you with this, and not just say, "Well, I'm going to go buy a building or invest in a building." Well, you, you, there's so many nuances to it. You know, location, mm-hmm. and of course, you know what's you know what's the value. Is there you know other situations going on in that particular location? Uh, so many factors. So by being able to do that, um, and that type of you know compound interest per se over 30 years. I mean, that's, that's an amazing investment and I'm surprised that more and more people are doing it, but we, we obviously see that the, the, you know, the Forbes 400 have been and doing it and it's helping them, you know, keep them on that list for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, before we started, we, we, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, Gary Keller's book, you know, the one thing and, you know, what's your one thing? What's, what's something that's important to you in, in your business now? And, and, you know, what kind of advice can you provide to the entrepreneurs and others that listen to the show?
1: Well, I have really struggled over the years with time management and balancing my work and home life, my family life and all that. And the, the Gary Keller's book, The One Thing, but more importantly, joining his uh, monthly mastery uh, organization, which is really inexpensive, has been tremendously helpful for me And implementing some, just a few of the systems he doesn't even get into in the book, but through this uh, little club, if you will, has been tremendously helpful. The One Thing helps you focus... On your big lifetime goal, the one thing you really want to get done in your life, and it's actually up to seven things, by the way, uh, is because there's are seven areas of life that Gary goes into in the book that you need to have one thing in each, like your family, your business, your you know other things. So, um, so it's a big focus on a big long-term goal, but it's also one thing, meaning this. How does that dial down to what you need to do in your 10-year goals to hit that long-term goal? And then your five, and your one year, and then your one month, and then what do you need to do this very hour, Michael, to make sure you're on track to hitting that goal? So it's one thing this hour, it's one thing in this life. Now, my big why in my life, and I've got several, but one big one is I want to invest And I want to influence others to invest a total of a billion dollars or more to fight human trafficking and rescue its victims. And a lot of people hadn't heard about this until recently, but Michael, I did a quick calculation. Do you know if you took the record, and I don't mean average, I mean the record annual profits for Apple, Nike, General Motors and Starbucks record annual profits added those together, double that number that's less than the estimated annual revenues generated by human trafficking right now worldwide. This is an epidemic and You know, that's a really, really big number. But if you take it down to one individual person, one individual girl in many cases, uh, their owners, if you want to call it that, can benefit, can, can profit up to a half a million dollars a year from that one individual. Now, think about what that means, Michael, to that individual think about that this I, I want to believe that if I was alive in the United States in the 1800s I would have been fighting slavery And if I would have been an adult in the 1960s I would have been fighting you know for civil rights in the US. Well this is slavery and this is a civil right that's been ripped away from millions of people and so while I'm while my heart's beating, on this planet, I figure I might as well do something to change history. And so I am trying to get the word out about this. I'm trying to raise money to do this. I've got a board meeting tonight with um, a place, a, a, an organization called Freedom Place. And there's five of us who want to build, it's called freedomplaceproject.com. We are trying to build office complexes in major cities And uh, we want to use 100% of the developer profits to fight human trafficking and rescue its victims. And so this is one of the things I'm doing uh, to this end right now.
0: I am so thankful for you and that you are doing that because those numbers that you started off with are just absolutely staggering. And you said, you know, just one person know can you know generate you know to their quote-unquote owner you know you know half a million dollars and uh, my hunch is in many of these situations these these individuals own more than one individual and it's uh, it's it, it's disturbing I've got three daughters of my own I can't even begin to fathom um, the pain of um, you know their parents would would feel in the situation if you know one day you know their their child or younger daughter was taken away and they had no idea where they are no way to communicate no in they could be anywhere on the planet and we don't know and right. i i i know because there's been some stories as it's been coming to light more and more and um i'm hopeful that, you know, that this will continue to be pushed towards the forefront so we can eradicate it once and for all. Mm-hmm. But I am—I um, I know that these types of situations are happening in large cities all over the planet and in small cities too and everywhere in between based on on these numbers. So uh, I hope that my listeners will, and again, all of uh, the sites that Paul has listed will be in the show notes and all that, but I, I hope that everyone will will do their part and you know, contribute to this cause to help eradicate this. I mean, I, I can't think of a better better cause to, to support, uh, to Thanks, you know, help, help our, hu- our, our fellow humans, because that's what we all are. We're all humans in this situation. We're all on this one big floating globe um, flat or round, it doesn't matter to me. It's still ours, um, and we collectively we need to help each other and protect each other from situations like this because um, it's wrong and it needs to needs to end. So I, I right, I, I appreciate you and and your cause and and everything that you're doing on that. Because again, as entrepreneurs, you know we 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 all have a calling to do something. We feel that we're using our gifts and our skills to do something for others and. We can also, you know, give and support organizations um, that fight things like this. That you know, that fight for uh, the humanity and for people and the best for them. So, we'll definitely have all that information in in the show notes. So, going back to like one thing, you know, when you look back at your career and you look back at all of the things you've done, what was probably the, I guess what would be the highlight what would be something and you've had a great career and you've had a lot of experiences and you've I'm sure a lot of things you know you stumbled upon and some things you're like okay let's do this and it it, you know and happened to go as planned which doesn't happen in the entrepreneurial (laughs) world anymore but uh, Mm what's 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 one thing that I guess you'd be most proud of uh, that you've accomplished so far
1: well, yeah, I'd love to tell you briefly about my worst real estate investment, uh, and it has a happy ending, actually. Uh, I um, had um, uh, $1.9 million in the bank, I think, in 1997 when I sold my company, and 10 years later, I found myself $2.5 million in debt, and a lot of that was based on a lot of these waterfront lots that we were buying to improve and then flip. And of course, the recession hit. It was 2000. It was actually late 2007. We were already in the recession in our area, and um, we uh, found ourselves with our back against the wall. It looked like you know, bankruptcy kind of made sense on paper, and a couple things happened. Uh, number one, we had this. Uh, all my income was from real estate. Number two, my investments were all in real estate. I don't recommend that, by the way, having it all tied up in one thing that can go down the tubes. But um, also, my partner said he was going to need to exit. He was going to need. He was not going to be able to share in the interest payments anymore, uh, starting in a month or two. And this was late 2007. And I was sitting in my chair one morning. And I was actually meditating, which I try to do on a regular basis. And I got this idea, what would George Mueller do? George Mueller was, uh, an, uh, he lived almost all the way through the 1800s in Bristol, England is where he ended up. And he actually housed, I think, up to 10,000 total orphans during his whole lifetime. And he did it without actually asking anybody for a penny. He actually... Uh, basically just raised all this money through faith and through mindset and through just basically being uh, in a place where he was taking care of others and he realized that he would be taken care of. And I thought, what would George Mueller do? And I thought, you know, wait, George Mueller, first of all, wouldn't be in debt at all. But if he was, what would he do? And I, I came to a crazy conclusion that he would give his way out of debt. So I called a few friends together who had been urging me to to declare bankruptcy at some point. I called my family together and I said, hey, we're going to give our way out of debt. It might not work. It might be a total disaster, but it can't get much worse than it is. So we're going to start pretending. We're going to start acting like we're making half a million dollars a year and start giving as if that was the case, which was a crazy idea. Uh, But we started doing that. And um, we four weeks later, I stumbled into an idea by an off, from an offhanded comment that someone had made at a Subway restaurant, and um, I actually was able to figure out how to subdivide a piece a five-acre waterfront piece of land into five one-acre lots, and even though it was now the summer of 2008, by the time we did the subdivide, we were actually able to sell all five lots. And made a significant profit on that and actually was completely debt free in 13 months. That's an
0: awesome um, disaster to celebration story. And, yeah. and oftentimes, you know, it, it, when things seem dark, if, and you know, you said, you know, you, you meditate, which is uh, something that I do and I, a lot of our listeners do as well. It it helps you see things and see opportunities clearer because if you're in that 80-hour grind and you're not really seeing things and you don't take time to just kind of look around and see what's going on and look for opportunities, there's a good chance you're going to miss it. And you know, if you didn't see that, then you could have had to go down the, the bankruptcy road and who knows what a happened and where you would have ended up but instead you know you you found that opportunity it it made itself available you acted on it and uh, you came out of it uh, in a lot better shape than I'm guessing you thought, especially at that time here. Because I remember 2008 and 2009. Cause that's when I had my my mm-hmm. burnout and my year worst case scenarios and all the things that transpired then. I I, I know that time really well. And of course, oh. being in the in the Detroit area at that particular moment, you know, with the auto sector you know, basically needing the government to keep uh, cars being built, uh, it was definitely a an alarming time, but, um, it's it, thankfully we all survived all of that and, and came out of it. And, you know, now, now things seem to be, uh, getting better for most people anyway. So congratulations Absolutely. on congratulations on that. So thanks. If, if people wanted to reach out to you and find out more about you and what you're doing, uh, what's the best way to find
1: you? They can check out our podcast, How to Lose Money, or they can find me at wellingscapital.com. That's W-E-L-L-I-N-G-S, capital.com. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll have all
0: of that information and all the links that Paul has shared earlier in the show in the show notes. So make sure you check all of that stuff out. And again, Paul, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your story and the journey. And and the awesome work you're doing. Um, and also, you know, the, you know, your big why I, I think that one is going to resonate with a lot of people. And, and I hope that we, we all support it the best way that we can and however we can. So thank thanks,
1: you. Michael. Thank it's you. Been great being on the show. I really appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate the show. And, uh, thanks again for having me on. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you. Uh, until next time, everyone be well. Hey,
0: it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.